Scott Horton Comedy. That's right, I'm doing an event with Robbie the Fire Bernstein here in Austin on the 5th of November as part of Robbie's Porch Tour. It's kind of an audition, actually. I'm trying to get the job to replace Dave Smith as Rob's sidekick. So show up and pretend to laugh at my awesome, hilarious comedy jokes. Robbie and another dude are also doing stand-up. Then Robbie and I are going to do a live podcast about libertarian themes and Star Wars and things. That's November the 5th. Go to thefiretix.com to find out all about it. All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of antiwar.com, author of the book, Fool's Aaron, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. All right, you guys, on the line, I got my good buddy Mike Swanson from wallstreetwindow.com. And, of course, he wrote a bunch of great books like The War State, which is a great history of the first three presidencies after World War II there. You'll like it. I promise. And, uh, of course... The Vietnam one is escaping me. It's Why Vietnam? Why can't I remember the title of the book? Why Vietnam by Mike Swanson. Welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Oh, it's great to talk with you. Uh, glad glad to be talking with you today. You know what, man? I'm going to read that Vietnam book. I've been looking forward to it for years, and now I have it, and I can't find the time to get to it. But as soon as I'm done writing the book that I'm writing now, then I'm going to never write another book again, I swear. And then I'm going <laughs> to read your book. I keep promising that. Here, um, wallstreetwindow.com. Here's the thing about Mike Swanson. He's uh, got a Austrian school education, but also he's rich because he's smart and he like was a hedge fund manager on uh, Wall Street there. And he gives investment advice to poor schlubs who are trying to figure out how to keep the government from destroying their money all the time, which is difficult. And so listen, as an economist, I'm a great anti-war guy, but I know enough to know some frame of a question for you i think we're in a very weird time right now we still got real high inflation but they're raising interest rates we have crashes in a lot of markets even though price inflation is like the bubbles are crashing but the overall price inflation still seems to be going up and then you got because of the lockdown policies you have uh this insanely high uh, upward pressure on wages because so many people just retired early and just stayed retired and that kind of thing I guess. I don't know. Um, so you have um, a policy where, uh, you know, this uh, Bloomberg article put it, they quoted these experts saying, we got to try to force a recession. That's not their exact words, but we want to force, they said, 1.3 million people out of work. If we can get 1.3 million people laid off, that will be good because that will then relieve upward pressure on prices everywhere, you know, because they always blame wage earners for their cost of living increase for causing the inflation, which, of course, it is upward pressure on wages. But anyway, so um, and then so you have the raising interest rates, but then also the reserve ratios are essentially non-existent, right? So um, a lot of people are very confused, including me, about whether 
in the boom bust cycle, we're still in the boom or the bust, or we're really got the worst of both worlds right now at the same time. And then what in the hell is going to happen next? Mike Swanson. Well, <laughs> you said it uh, in, the, in the first couple sentences there. This is a confusing time. Was it's I close a, at all with all that crazy <laughs> nonsense I was just babbling? Well, I mean, you, you, it, it is a confusing time. And, okay, and, well, the, and, I got the confusing part right. Okay, go it, ahead. Well, look, the thing is, um, it's so confusing. I'm going to try to make it really simple in, in a moment, but uh, I would like to first say that uh, the experts are confused. The Federal Reserve officials are confused. The stock market gurus are confused. And anyone that's been following uh, the financial news will know this because over the past 20 months, let's say, their predictions and claims of what's going to happen and why things are happening constantly change. So I'll just talk about inflation. Um, in January 2021, we were all told by Jerome Powell, the Federal Reserve Chairman, by the Biden administration, uh, and the, the CNBC experts, the Wall Street experts, that inflation was going to come in the spring because of the supply chain issues, and then it would go away uh, by the fall. And obviously, all that did not happen at all. In fact, if, if you go back and look at the economic data and the situation we're now in, uh, politically, uh, too. I think August of last year was a turning point. The Biden poll numbers started to go in decline. The inflation that they said would go away clearly was not and started to go up um, and continued to go up uh, for several months. Uh, and, and even now, uh, even though the CPI is down a little bit, it, there's a lot of components inside of it. They're not really down, just the rate of the increase is lower uh, on the on an annualized basis, but inside some of the components have made new highs. That's according to the, the last report. But I'm just trying to suggest that that was a turning point uh, almost a year ago, and then we entered this year, and interest rates started to go up. Um, the Fed began to raise rates. Uh, the rates also moved by themselves and long-term bonds and corporate bonds, and they already were going up uh, starting to before the start of this year, and the stock market uh, rolled over. And now, um, you know, the talk of inflation uh, in March and February when the Ukraine war uh, started was that that's causing it. Um, and now, you know, that people don't really believe that anymore. And I just saw an article this morning about what you were talking about, uh, the debate over is wage uh, increases causing inflation or do wage increases follow inflation? Um, <laughs> so you can throw in all these complicated factors that may be different now than they were in the past. And it is really confusing to try to figure it out. So mm -hmm. as well, a, go ahead. Well, just one of the first things you said there was, Powell said, yeah, we're going to have some inflation because of the supply chain crisis, which is just conflating. I mean, I know you're kind of paraphrasing them there, so I'll let you clarify, too. But was it really that basic that they're just trying to blame um, essentially prices that are high for a reason 
and conflate that with inflation, which is caused by the creation of more bank credit and more money. Because, of course, you could have, you know, uh, a winter, a late winter storm wipes out Florida's orange crop and that raises the price of oranges. That's not inflation. That's just a winter storm. So same kind of thing where they're essentially trying to blame their inflation on things like the lockdown created supply chain crises and things like upward pressure on wages and all that. Right. Yeah. that That's exactly what he was doing uh, in the Biden administration was too uh, in the first half of, well, really almost all of last year. Uh, then they started to blame it on Russia exact, you know, the Russia Ukraine war is making all this stuff worse. But, um, as you say, I mean, a lot of it has to do with the printing of money, the size of the debt. Um, and these are global issues, not just issues in, you know, that have to do with what's happening in the United States Yeah, and, you know, having a background in Austrian economics, uh, and I don't, I'm not an expert on it, but it helps to realize, helps you to realize that, look, Federal Reserve policy and central bank policy all over the world has a big deal to do with this. So what I think is the most important thing, you know, there's so many factors, right, in, in, in talking about this kind of stuff. But if you want to make it really simple, um, and that's the best thing to do, <laughs> frankly, is if you just go look at 2020 when these lockdowns and shutdowns began in the spring, March, April of that year, the Federal Reserve took interest rates to zero and announced a quantitative easing, unlimited bond buying operation, and central banks around the world did similar things. And what happened is when it, bonds, uh, bond funds, bond ETFs, they trade opposite to interest rates. So when interest rates go up, the value of bond funds go down. Goes down, and right now, uh, for example, there's an in the exchange traded fund TLT, which is the most widely owned Treasury bond ETF. It's down 33 percent this year. Well, in 2020, that ETF and all these other bond funds made record highs in their value, in their price, all-time highs. Because interest rates went to all-time lows. In fact, I would say that globally, interest rates went to lows never seen before in human history, human financial history, zero. Um, and as a result, from that moment on in 2020, uh, interest rates had nowhere to go but up. These bond funds had nowhere to go but down. And if there's like one factor more important than any it's that and um you know why you know what, you know what, what it might it take you 20 tries but try to get me to understand what you just said about why the bonds behave the way they do in these circumstances well a, a bond goes up in value when the yield on it goes down in value and when the yield goes up the bond goes down in value so the global bond market made a all-time high uh, in 2020, and now it's been going down from that high. Um, and interest rates are going up. You know, when interest rates went to zero, and then you start to have inflation, they've got they got to go up. And 
the sad thing about that is the rate of inflation, the CPI inflation, it's around 7% officially. Well, the the uh, Fed funds rate isn't even at 4% yet. So the, the interest rates are still way below the inflation rate. And historically, it takes uh, the interest rates going above the inflation rate for inflation to really go down. And and then there's a the question of how high can rates go with, you know, without causing problems with the cost the government takes to, to finance debt. Uh, so one one thing I'm implying in, in saying this is that uh, the, the bond market had been in a bull market for since uh, Paul Volcker uh, jammed up interest rates around 1980. Uh, to stop inflation then, ever since that process ended, interest rates had been going down in the United States and globally um, over that period of time till they went to an all-time low. So that's a huge, really long-term cycle that is that came to an end. And now we're in a new cycle, and part of part of it is inflation. The stock market's in a bear market this year. And it's frankly the the most difficult investing or trading environment I've ever seen. It's worse, uh, I think, than 2000 and 2008 because during those bear markets in the stock market, bonds went up. So you you could have bond funds, and you you know that would help cushion your stock market losses. But now bond funds are even worse than stocks, and stocks. You know, aren't doing well either. So it in gold, even gold is is getting uh, not gold and silver aren't trading as well either. It, you know, they're not f- as bad, but they did well in the first quarter, and now they're trading down to the market. So one, you know, reason that might be happening is that you know I actually wrote this today uh, <clears throat> an update. But when you have a bull market and we're not in one anymore but when you're in one uh, a lot of professional investors institutions they'll go on margin to try to beat the market and and that means they borrow money uh, against their accounts to buy more and they do that to try to beat the market because it's difficult to do it just you know buying stocks you typically are going to match performance of the S&P 500 um so they want to try to beat it. So they'll borrow money to, to buy more than they could otherwise. But then when, and then we had record margin debt exactly a year ago. Um, but then when you have a bear market, they de- de- leverage themselves. They take the margin debt off. Um, and and it is, in fact, it's not even necessary to have any at all when the stock market's falling if you're just trying to beat it. Um, and this isn't to say anything about people who make wild gambles you know, using margin or buying a lot of call options or doing really risky things, which that happens too. So we're kind of in a deleveraging, I would, I would put it a slow deleveraging in the stock market, uh, going on, but it's, it's a tough, (laughs) tough uh, situation. And as far as when it might end, um, you know, I, I would just suggest this, um, one thing I look at, and I think I talked about, about this with you uh, the, sometime earlier this year, but 
uh, there's futures that trade uh, uh, for, for housing prices. There's a housing index, and there's people that buy and sell futures contracts on it. And the projection of that tends to be fairly accurate for the overall path of, of housing prices. And what they're projecting is a roughly 14% decline from where housing prices are now. Uh, they've already come off their highs a little bit, a set a couple months ago. But the troubling thing is they're not showing a bottom in housing prices until the first quarter of 2024, uh, which, you know, that's over a year from now. <laughs> so so this, that suggests that we could be in a really drawn out uh, recession or bear market in the stock market. Typically, the stock market bottoms about three months before a trough in the economy. So, you know, it seems to me we're in a slowdown of some sorts with inflation that uh, may not end until the end of next year or early 2024. Hey, guys, sorry, I don't mean to go all FDR on you or anything, but here's the new deal. All the interviews are now going up first at scotthortonshow.substack.com. Of course, they'll all be going up at scotthorton.org the next day, and the archives going back to 1999 will still be free for you there at scotthorton.org. But I got to generate revenue, you know. At the Libertarian Institute, we publish books, real good ones. So far, we've got Will Griggs' No Quarter, Sheldon Richmond's Coming to Palestine, and What Social Animals Owe to Each Other, and four of mine, Fool's Aaron, Enough Already, the great Ron Paul, and my brand new one, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. And I'm happy to announce that we've just published our managing editor Keith Knight's first one, The Voluntarist Handbook, an excellent collection of essays by the world's greatest libertarian thinkers and writers, including me. Check them all out at libertarianinstitute.org books. And for a limited time, signed copies of Enough Already and Hotter Than the Sun are available at scotthorton.org books. Hey guys, I had some wasps in my house, so I shot them to death with my trusty Bug Assault 3.0 model with the improved salt reservoir and bar safety. I don't have a deal with them, but the show does earn a kickback every time you get a Bug Assault or anything else you buy from Amazon.com by way of the link in the right-hand margin on the front page at scotthorton.org. So keep that in mind. And don't worry about the mess. Your wife will clean it up. So, uh... Well, a couple of things. I'm always trying to make the parallel to 1999 or mm -hmm. in 2000 or to 2008. And, you know, from what I know of these things and the sames and the differences in the circumstances. Can you tell me what's going on with M1, 2, and 3 right now? And what the hell are those things in the first place? And is there like a massive contraction in the money supply now? Or no, it's still expanding and expanding because there's still so much new money that they created plus the interest rates just aren't high enough compared to the rate of price inflation. So it makes sense just if you're a businessman to take out a loan rather than to save. Well, I'm looking at it right now since you asked, uh, but what M2 money supply is, it's the measure of the money supply total, including cash, checking deposits, uh, convertible loans, um, and it goes up, you know, usually it goes up because the Fed, uh, every time you go to the bank and borrow money, you're 
you, you know, you're, you're increasing it and companies do it more than individuals do. But when interest rates go up uh, enough, that process can slow down. So according to the Federal Reserve's data, that it peaked out this March and has been coming, you know, it's off the high. But just coming a little bit off the high, it mm-hmm. can be very contractionary for the economy. In other words, so it's still 2007 right now and Bear Stearns yeah. and Lehman Brothers are in trouble, but we haven't seen the implosion yet. Yeah, I, 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 that's one way to put it. However, um, the the thing about it is, I don't know. Like in two two thousand seven, um, Bear Stearns blew up. That was in the news. There's a couple hedge funds that blew up because they're owning these crazy mortgages. I under I didn't understand really what was going on until January 2008 read some articles where they just, someone just laid it all out. Um, now, you know, usually when there is a bear market cycle like this, eventually stuff does blow up. Um, and in the 2000, 1999, uh, peak, uh, what blew up or internet stocks, but then things like WorldCom, um, Enron, uh, there are all these, um, internet uh cable companies that were putting cables across the the world they blew up i gotta tell you now though i i don't really know what's gonna blow up i, I don't i don't really have any idea of where that's gonna happen but but it will happen somewhere and that's when you can know oh we're closer to the actual end of this than where we are now seemingly yeah. But, All right. So just to wrap that subject up real quick here, because I'm sorry, we're short on time because I screwed yeah. up and I called you first when I was supposed to call Lyle and then now I'm in a hurry. But um, there's this piece from Bloomberg, Fed seen aggressively hiking to 5% triggering global recession. And the point is, that's what they're trying to do, right? In order to lick the inflation that they caused. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And, and uh, in, the, in July, uh, Jerome Powell, the chairman, he gave a speech. He taught, said this to the Wall Street Journal that he is willing to raise interest rates and hopes to keep them. You know, at that time he was saying above four, but now it's like five. Uh, but hopes to keep them at that level without lowering them uh, for over a year, even if it causes a recession. Yeah. Uh, so that. W- and one other point I want to throw at you. Sure. Uh, that's real important and makes this a different environment than we've ever seen before is what's happened in England. So uh, <laughs> over the past couple of weeks, they had a new prime minister who came in and said, I'm going to lower taxes and give people aid for their rising fuel costs. In other words, and, increased spending at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Increased spending, cut taxes, stimulate. And in the past – that will normally create a stock market rally and people would get excited. And this time the opposite happened. The, their stock market dropped, their bond market dropped. Um, and then they had to backtrack on those policies. And, and that suggests to me, it hasn't happened here in the United States yet, but we may be in an environment where when the government or the, or the central bank reacts to try to stimulate, it could fail. Uh, the markets may not react positively, which is something we never seen. Uh, well, but also, I don't ever remember myself well, at least. <laughs> is there a parallel there? With I mean, was she just not supposed to do that? Like I remember uh, 
in Secrets of the Temple, they talk about how Volcker is jacking up the interest rates. He's trying to force this recession. But Reagan is running on tax cuts or ran on them. And then so he's implementing these tax cuts, which is stimulative policy. And it's making the crash take longer before they can start the bubble all over again, basically. So I wonder if that was what was going on here was they're trying to deflate. And she had the opposite policy on the fiscal side. Yeah, yeah, that that's basically what happened. Um, and then the markets chose the bank over the dipshit. <laughs> yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, now listen, I don't have enough time to ask you about this. Well, I guess I do. I got four minutes. Listen, you sent this thing. Um, we will see the return of capital investment on a massive scale. And it's a interview with some guy I never heard of who's really rich and smart. And he talks about how globalization is over and American mass corporate industrial investment in China is over. We're going to onshore. All of that stuff is coming back and we're going to see massive inflation from here on out because it's the only way to pay off the national debt is to just debase the currency like Argentina. But at least we're going to put all that new inflationary money into building up the USA and all this crazy stuff. And uh, you highlighted it in your uh, morning email. Everybody sign up for Mike's morning email, uh, wallstreetwindow.com. And um, and he said, yeah, this is really worth a look. So I did look at that, and it was very interesting. And I wonder, what was your take on what this guy was saying there? Did I I encapsulate that pretty much sort of yeah, close, right? Yeah, well, he, he he's a, 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 he's one of the smartest financial people I've, I've followed over, over the years. Um, now It's uh, Russell Nap Napier. Napier, yeah. Napier. Now, what he's really arguing in there is that, and he's, he said this in 2020, uh, articulated this idea, and it is that it, lowering interest rates, doing these bond buying programs no longer will work. They no longer will stimulate the economy. They basically won't do anything uh, to, to, to benefit uh, or in a recession. So he thinks that these central banks are pretty much useless now and that what's going to end up happening is that governments are going to sidestep them uh, by finding ways to inject money straight into corporations or industries that they favor. And in 2020, he was making the argument that these loan programs that the Treasury Department was doing were essentially that. They were giving money, finding ways to give money directly to companies. So, in that article, he's basically making repeated that argument and claiming that you know this is going to be used for manu to stimulate manufacturing or you know whatever it is these programs are going to end up being. But of course, you know that's crony capitalism when you get down to it. Yeah, and almost always evil corruption and people dead and all kinds of horror, you know, to come. They point at something like Solyndra, and it's like, oh, that's the G-rated. You know, nothing really bad happened version where they just stole a lot of money. I don't think they got anybody's head exploded over that one. But, you know, they do stuff like that. Get people's heads exploded. Um, all right. Well, listen, um, I'm sorry we're all out of time, but uh, I screwed up. And so we are. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on the show. It does help me understand a little bit about what's going on. And listen, everybody, if you want to understand what to do with what little money you got left, um, go to wallstreetwindow.com, sign up for the morning email and follow Mike and follow Mike very closely. He's great. Thank you again, man. Really appreciate you. 
Oh, great talking with you. Have a good day. Thanks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, and read the book The War State and Why Vietnam. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.